0: The Bible reading today is 1 John 4, verses 7 to 12. God's love and ours. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love... Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever. Our Heavenly Father, please would you teach us from this passage how much you love us and draw from us that echoing response of love well, for you, well, for the Lord Jesus, well, for our, disi- our fellow disciples, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And to that end, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would so fill our hearts and renew our minds that this word from you might achieve that for which you send it, drawing us to depend on the love that has given us Jesus and bringing forth from us a strong and gracious and cross-shaped love in response. Heavenly Father, please be glorified among us as you do that work today. For we ask it through Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Well, there's not a lot of doubt what this passage is about. There are six verses uh, we are looking at this morning. Uh, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 12. Do have it open uh, if you would uh, like to. And out of those six verses, uh, the word love... Uh, is used in the original language 15 times 15 times in six verses it would be hard to miss the point of this passage it's all about love and love of course uh, is something that everybody thinks apart from the uh, those diseased in the mind is wonderful our uh, great uh, ballads, uh, pop songs, are all about it, aren't we? If I said from you, "All you need is love," you would all say, "Love is all you need," because those words are imprinted on our cultural uh, consciousness. Uh, it's what the great John and Paul uh, have said: John McCartney and uh, John Lennon, rather, and Paul McCartney. Uh, all you need is love. Well, we don't need to persuade anybody that love is the greatest thing that we celebrate it we long for it uh, and we know what a wonderful thing it is when we find it Uh, and here uh, the Bible celebrates love as it does again and again throughout its pages Uh, the biblical Paul has his famous chapter to the Corinthians where he lines up faith and hope and love before he concludes but the greatest of these is love and almost hear him humming can't we all you need is love Well, here is John doing the same thing for us. God is love. That three-word sublime definition of who God is. Uh, He says for the first time in the passage uh, we're looking at this morning, and as I say, he he suffuses these uh, verses uh, with love, love, and love. Maybe he might have sung, love is all you need. And yet even as we think about how we know what love is and we long for love and everybody wants to love and be loved, well, it's interesting that that famous pop song sung by the Beatles itself is perhaps a good illustration of just how hard it is to discover and practice. All You Need Is Love was released in the summer of 1967. Within a year, its primary author, John Lennon, was involved in an adulterous affair uh, and eventually abandoned his wife and married Yoko Ono instead. Another year later, and the Beatles completely disbanded uh, amid acrimony and lawsuits uh, to follow in the years afterwards. All you need is love. Love is all you need. Maybe so, but actually it's a lot harder to practice than it is to sing or celebrate. I don't mention that to condemn uh, the fab four. Uh, after all, we're only here because we ourselves have confessed to be sinners. Uh, we've done that already in our service. Uh, we know how wonderful love is, and we know we don't live like that. We're in good company with those who say what a wonderful thing love is, and yet fail to practice it so often. So we need to dig a little deeper. Beyond simply celebrating what a wonderful thing love is, well, we need to hear what John says to us as he exhorts us to love one another. In the first two verses of our reading, he tells us why we must love. And then uh, he tells us what love looks like. This is love, he says. And it's when we see God's standard, not the world's, well, then we begin to discover what it really means, To love others as God has loved us. That's in verses 9 through to 11. And then finally, uh, we see in that last verse what love does. We might say um, the power of love, although that just brings into your mind, if it's anything like mine, half a dozen other pop songs. So uh, maybe we won't dwell on that, or you'll be humming them quietly during the rest of the sermon. Uh, But it's the—it's what love's effect is. This love, God's love, God's love working in and through us. What it actually does. So why must we love? What does love look like? And what does it achieve? That's what John will teach us this morning with the Lord's help. So let us love, he says. Uh, Why must we love? We're looking here at verses 7 and 8. You see, we might say of the sun that light comes from the sun, uh, but also that the sun is light. And John says something very similar here uh, about God. Uh, verse 7, love comes from God. And then verse 8, God is love. So, so he speaks of those two uh, uh, truths, uh, really, because we need to hear them uh, together. You see, light comes from the sun, but it is light. Love comes from God because he is love. And he says if we know God... If we've been born of God, well, then we must love like God. Let me say that again. If we know God, if we've been born of God, well, then we must love like God. That's the logic of these uh, verses. And it cannot be otherwise. Love is no uh, optional extra. Uh, for the super spiritual, uh, love is integral in everything that it means in our faith and our common life together because, to go to the center and the source, God is himself love. Now, by that, John means in those three uh, simple words uh, that within the very character of God, within the uh, interpersonal relationships of the Holy Trinity, love is abiding and eternal hallmark we hear this in Jesus own teaching hear this uh, Jesus prays to his father like this John 17 verse 24 father I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world Before this world existed, before anything existed, apart from God, who has always existed, the Father loved the Son. John the Baptist puts it even more straightforwardly, John 3.35, the Father loves the Son and has placed everything into his hands. And the Son loves the Father. The world must learn, Jesus says, John 14.31, that I love the Father and I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. So right here uh, in the eternal uh, relationship of the father and the son is love. The father loves the son. The son loves the father. God is love because within himself his relationships are perfectly and eternally loving. And we might add uh, from this uh, very passage, in fact, that the Spirit uh, is love, that the Father and the Son together send uh, the Holy Spirit uh, into the world from their love, bearing their love, because he is himself love. Just compare verses 12 and 13. I don't want to steal my brother's thunder uh, by looking at the first verse of the next passage, uh, but just compare verse 12 and verse 13 here in 1 John 4. Uh, Verse 12, John says, if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So so when we love uh, each other as fellow disciples of Jesus Christ, God abides and dwells and fulfills and perfects his love. Well, now look at verse 13. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. So how do we know that God is here among us? How do we know that he's really living here because we love one another? How do we know that God is here, that he's really living amongst us because he's given us his spirit? Two ways of saying the same thing. He's given us of himself, that is, he's given us of his spirit, he has given us his love. God is love. The Father is love. The Son is love. The Spirit is love. The eternal relationship of the Trinity is loving. If I could commend to you uh, one resource that I found really helpful in sharing the gospel uh, with other people. It's a a man called Glenn uh, Glenn Scrivener, an evangelist, who's come up with a a resource called 321. It's a really different way of um, articulating the central truths uh, of the gospel. And this is the very point with which he begins. I won't give you the whole outline now, but the first point, the three, is this loving union of three uh, in God himself. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everything comes from that loving and living source for our salvation and the sustaining life of the world. God is love. And therefore, if we know God, well, then we must be loving. How could it be otherwise? If we do not love, then we do not know the God who is love. And to use the other language of the same uh, verses, uh, John says, everyone uh, who loves has been born of God. That is, uh, when we trust in Jesus Christ, when we are born again, as Jesus says, we must be by, uh, by the water and the Spirit. That is, we're washed clean when we trust Jesus has forgiven our sins and we're renewed by the Holy Spirit of God bringing us uh, into the kingdom of God. When we've been born of God, when we're his child, well then surely we must reflect our father's likeness. How can we be a daughter of God if we do not love a a son of God if we do not begin and reflect and to increasingly demonstrate that love of the one who has brought us into his own family? So can you see here uh, the link that John uh, is making? If God is love, then we who claim to know God to have been brought anew into his family, well, then we must love one another. And John is very uh, precise here in his language when he says, uh, I mean, literally in the original, beloved, let us love. He uses two versions of the word love in his first two words of verse 7. He's modeling what he's uh, exhorting them to practice. Beloved, let us love. Um, He's saying, let us love one another. He's writing to a church. He's saying that the necessary hallmark of those who claim uh, to be born of God, those who claim to know God, to be Christian disciples, is that we, within the family of God, must love one another. Because that is, uh, as it were, the, uh, the hallmark of those who are authentically belonging to God. He is speaking here of the peculiar, uh, in the old sense of um, um, Uh, unique although sometimes it is a bit peculiar as well uh, uh, love that Christians are to have for each other that is the love that must mark every Christian church gathering every Christian community it isn't uh, that John has forgotten that there are other uh, commands upon us to love not least to love God or to love our spouse if we have one Uh, The Lord Jesus himself said that the second greatest commandment was to love our neighbors, irrespective of their religious commitment or church affiliation. Indeed, the Lord Jesus said we must love our enemies. He said this, uh, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Now that is all true. And there are dozens of sermons uh, in each of those uh, at different commands to love. But Jesus also said, and this is what John is picking up here, a new command I give you, speaking to his disciples, not to the crowds, not to the world, but to the disciples, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So Jesus says that the world will know, we'll pick this up in the third point, uh, that we really are authentically Christian, fundamentally by this love above all loves, the love that you and I, as brothers and sisters in Christ, have for each other within the family of a local church. That's who John is writing to, a church just uh, like ours. As we love each other, well, the world will see that we are authentically Christian. Sometimes people worry that John isn't broader. It's not that he's forgotten, as I say, these other loves to which we're called, but this is the one he's focusing on here. Do you know the God who is love? Well, then show it by the way that you love those who also know God. And that's hard. Because be a Christian for any length of time, and the church will let you down. Your fellow Christians will let you down, sometimes profoundly and deeply, and in such a way that you will carry the scars, just like Jesus carries the scars of his cross all the way into the new heavens and the new earth. I'm not minimizing here. Uh, or um, uh, suggesting that there's anything uh, here that is easy or straightforward or that we always get right, far from it. The ones we hurt the most are the ones we love the most. That's true in our families. It's true in our church family. And some of you carry deep scars because of hurts that have been done to you uh, within the family of the church, maybe not here or recently even, perhaps many years ago or in another place. Jesus commands us here to come to him that he might love us and to renew within us such love for each other that the world will see that we really belong to him. Others see church as just an irrelevance, worshipping God in a garden uh, nearer to him there than anywhere on earth. I'll go to church if I've got time. Occasionally I'll tune in. Maybe I'll come uh, once a month. But just on Sundays, nothing more That Well, that's great you're here on Sundays, and if you come monthly, please don't be offended. I'm glad you're here. But is that really loving one another in the way that Jesus commands and models? It's only scratching the surface, isn't it? To to love others, we must know others. We wouldn't say, well, we'll only worship God once a month, so why would we say we'll only gather with our brothers and sisters occasionally? Now, if we know God's love, then we will share that love here in the local church. John has already spoken of how that love is not just words, but in practice and in uh, in, uh, loving actions towards uh, each other. How can you know God if he has set his love on the church His bride, if you do not at least begin and in principle and with his help and with much forgiveness and patience and endurance, begin to love your fellow Christians. Dear friends, let us love one another because love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love, whoever does not love his fellow Christians, does not know God. Because God is love. Now let's come on. What does love look like? Verses 9 to 11. We often, I often pick out these verses if I'm preaching a short sermon. This is not one of them. At an event where we have many visitors. And we want to get right to the heart of what God's love is at Christmas and at Easter. See, verse 9 is Christmas, and verse 10 is Easter. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. For any reader of the Bible uh, that uh, would have been reminded uh, of the story of Abraham and Isaac, he too was the only son of a father, and an obedient faith, Abraham was poised to sacrifice his son, In Genesis 22, God intervened and Isaac was spared. God provided a substitute for the sacrifice. But now, extraordinarily, the Father has sent his one and only Son. And there is to be no substitute for him, for he is the substitute for us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is what love is, uh, says John. Uh, now, the, the false teachers that we've been meeting throughout this letter were denying that Jesus was truly God come in the flesh. He was just a man, they said, briefly endowed with a Christ spirit. And John says not at all, because not only is that a lie, but it, half, it only shortchanges uh, what the Bible says about God's love. Because God sent his own son, who he had loved from all eternity, into the world. No greater cost was there than that he would give him that we might live. And yet, so often when we preach that, Because here is the gospel, and if you're not a Christian, well, then here is the one who was given in love for you that you might live through him when you trust in Jesus who came at that first Christmas. But John is teaching this this here so that we might learn how to love each other. Look at Christmas, John says. Look at the way that God gave up that which was most precious to him In order to be a blessing to others. Gave his own son into the world that we might live through him. It wasn't merely, as it we may say, an empty act of sacrifice, some grand gesture. It was purposeful. He gave him so that we might live. Well, John says, this is how you're to love, brothers and sisters, each other. You see the implication of that? Uh, Yielding that which is most precious to you, that you might be a blessing to your sisters and brothers in Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. Uh, John brings in Christmas here, not because he's preaching an evangelistic sermon, but because he's saying, look at that love. Well, this is the love that we're to have for each other as well. Yielding that which is most precious to us, that we might be a blessing to our brothers and sisters. What is that for you, I wonder? Is it time? You're so busy and carving out time, not just the hour on a Sunday morning, but the other study and the loving care of the person in need and whatever else it may be. Is it your talents? You have some great uh, gifts and skills, and frankly, uh, you're using them in other areas of your life, but you're not employing them. To love your brothers and sisters. Is it material resources? You've been richly blessed. And yet here we stand uh, in need of ministry and uh, mercy uh, uh, ministries uh, that we might bless others. Look at Christmas, John says, and see that God gave everything that you might live. Well, that's how to love one another. uh, Giving up that which is most precious to us in order to be a blessing to our fellow Christians. I must ask the Lord to help us to apply that in our own unique circumstances. John comes on from Christmas to Easter. Uh, uh, This is love, he says. Not that we loved God. Don't think that if we do these things, if we uh, do great acts of service, somehow that will uh, curry us favor with God. It's not about that. It's not about uh, us loving God and achieving reward in that way. Not at all, he says. No, uh, this is love. He loved us. And sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice, literally the propitiation for our sins. You say, I don't know how to spell propitiation. It's not a normal English word. Learn it because it's a precious gospel word. Uh, Jesus Christ came to be the propitiation. That is the one who turns aside the wrath of God from our sins. And we depend on that with with all our hearts. We trust in his blood shed for us. It is our righteousness before God. It is our forgiveness. It is our entry as sinners into the kingdom of God because he who had no sin was made sin for us that in him we might become the righteousness of God as Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 5. Well, again, remember what John is doing here. This is a great verse to preach the cross but he's giving us this that we might learn How to love one another. We begin to think that through. Well, that means uh, when I find that my relationship with my fellow Christians involves me suffering because they sin against me. Well, I now know what I must do, don't I? Not bear a grudge, find a different church, stop going to church. Those are all our instinctive reactions. Pull up the drawbridge and not make myself so vulnerable again. Uh, These are all our natural reactions. And John just points at the cross. And says, behold, there is the one who took away your sins. There is the one who bore the wrath of God undiluted in order that you might find peace with him. So when people make us angry, justifiably angry, and people sin against us, when we sin against other people, when we are selfish and unkind and thoughtless, the myriad of ways in which we discourage and disappoint and undermine one another, what do we do? John says we come back here to him who taught us to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. He bore the wrath of God for your your sake. When you are angry, come to God come to him for fresh forgiveness and power to forgive and walk away and let the wounds be cross shaped and let them speak uh, in actions of forgiveness and endurance and patience and endless fresh beginnings let them speak of that same mercy which we know because of the cross of Jesus dear friends John applies since God so loved us the giving of all at Christmas, the enduring of wrath at the cross, that's how he loved us. So that's how we're to love each other as well. It's not just a pop song anymore, is it? Now it's real. Now it's got shape. And now it's got power. Power to help us who are sinful failures. Power to pick us up individually and renew us and enable us to practice this kind of love here and the world will see something different and the world will see us uh, not when we love one another in all the good ways but when we love one another through the things that have gone wrong that's when they'll really see a christ-shaped love here and that's the final note on which we end here we see the power of love uh, what the uh, the effects of this love are verse 12 uh, john does an extraordinary thing here no one has ever seen god He says, does that remind you of anything? If you're a Bible reader, if you've read John's gospel, well, he says this in John chapter, the gospel of John, uh, chapter one, verse 18. No one has ever seen God. Same words, same phrase. But God, the one and only who was at the Father's side, has made him known. How does God make himself known? He sends Jesus. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, that we might become one with God, as we receive Him as our Lord and Savior, that is gloriously and wonderfully, and at the heart of of the truth of how God makes Himself known. But look at what John says here in this verse: No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete in us. Do you want to introduce your friends and your unbelieving family to God? Well, John says what we ought to be able to do is say, come to St. John's. Come to meet my sisters and brothers in Christ because when you see the quality of our life together and you see the relationships that mark us, you'll see God. It's extraordinary, isn't it? We wouldn't use that language, but that's what the apostle of Christ says to us here. If we love one another, then people can't see God with their own eyes, and we went around 2,000 years ago when he came in the flesh, they will see him yet living and abiding and powerful because his love is here and his love is in you and his love is in us. I was struck this week as I listened to the testimony of a young man that that was the first thing he said came from a non-Christian family. He said, and he saw the love that Christians had for each other And that led him uh, to seek out the Father and discover the Heavenly Father's love uh, for him. Many of us would say something similar, whether it's who've come particularly from non-Christian backgrounds, that we we saw something, something perplexing, uh, something doubtless imperfect, but something real and deep and genuine in the Christians we first knew that testified to one greater than themselves being at the heart of their affection and confidence well that's what John says here and it's not that he'll see it uh, that it'll become true in five years time when we get everything right at St. John's no people will see it today precisely when we're getting it wrong because the love we have for one another is a love that is centered upon the forgiveness of God for us and the forgiveness of God we show one another we're mercy people we've received mercy we show mercy We keep getting it wrong, and we keep being renewed. And he keeps holding himself before our eyes in his great love, in the gift and the sacrifice of his son, that our faith may be renewed and our common life suffused with the knowledge of the living and true God. Oh, then, Jesus says, they'll know you're my disciples. As they're drawn in, as you love them, as you share me with them, and they put their trust in me, well, then they too will come to know life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, all we do need is love. And we thank you that that love you've shown us in sending your son to be born and to die As we think of our own sins, Lord, we've confessed them already in this service, but perhaps even now some of us are troubled by our own sins, our own failure to love. Perhaps we're hurt maybe deeply by the actions of others who may have hurt us. Please, Lord, would you bring us into your love, whether it's knowing more deeply our own forgiveness, whether it's having your power to forgive and release others. Oh, Father, please, would you draw us to know you. those who aren't yet born again, I pray that your word would bring them to life even today. And that here in this place, in this congregation, we would be those who love you and who love each other for Jesus' sake.